Hey guys, welcome to Photography Insights, the show that interviews people from the photography industry. Today I have another guest for you, but before I move into that, I just wanted to say a big thank you to everyone as always for listening to the previous shows, following the work and sharing with your friends. Please do keep this going and it's lovely to see more and more reviews coming in. And on that note, I would like to read my latest one for you. And this uh, goes something like this. Uh, Good show. Andrew interviews his guests with genuine interest in his guests, resulting in original and interesting insights. And that's come from Joel Chinchala, um, last week's uh, fantastic architecture uh, photographer. So thank you very much, Joel, for that. It's very much appreciated. Uh, And I have to really thank him because um, he's been one of the few genuine people who's even um, emailed out to all his um, subscribers to his newsletter and mentioned it and he's even on about um, he's put it on his social media and even talking about putting a link on his website so um, you know that's a big thing for me it's a first so I really do appreciate that let's hope we can keep that going uh, obviously the friends of the show have to be mentioned uh, as always Pete at Static Age is bringing out some lovely magazines, so please do watch out for them. They should be hitting any time now. And obviously, if anyone who's needing any um, films developed, please do check out Film Dev. Um, both of these friends are on my website at the very bottom, where there's a link to their pages. Um, and they're here as friends, nothing more. We just support each other. And for today's show, we have uh, a guest called Sheila Pre-Bright. Now, I've talked uh, about this uh, for a, a little while about how the choice of guests is getting influenced by events and people around me. It, it's something that's played on my mind recently uh, and how I thought I should open up a little bit more and consider other people's. So, um, the consensus in my mind, yep, I had a vote with myself, is that I should look for people but maybe haven't had their voices heard from the minorities or speak to those uh, that are trying to do great work for the society uh, of those that are maybe not privileged like the rest of us. Um, Sheila is a, an ambassador for Leica. Uh, she comes from America and has this habit of using the world of photography to talk about the world from a different perspective. Some of her projects include The Young Americans, 1960 Now, Suburbia and Plastic Bodies. Uh, We talk a lot about the life of being black in America, opportunities and what she's seen. Now, some of her travels around the States have even shocked herself. So please do listen out when we discuss Baltimore in the podcast. So in this one, uh, a few brief topics we discuss are the um, art piece she's doing for the University of Boston, um, how she started with gangster rap photography, uh, 1960 Now Project and the uprising of young people. Uh, we discuss civil rights, uh, working for HBO, um, protests, flowers and Covid, the white narrative versus the black, John Lewis and Sheila's poetry, school curriculums and migrations and segregations. Now I've always, uh, there are links in the show notes, uh, there's a little bit more this week. Uh, because some of the topics and events we discuss 
So there's links to um, a couple of websites that feature some of the people we talked about. And of course, Sheila's own website is mentioned there on her Instagram feed. So please do check that out. Um, she's doing some great work. So I hope you enjoy this one. So please sit back, relax. Let's play the music and away, Sheila. And welcome to the show, Sheila. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine, and thank you. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for um, spending the time with us. Um, I know you're an exceptionally busy lady at the minute. <laughs> yes, at this point of time, I am. <laughs> now, obviously, you've just been telling me that um, you are doing something for the Boston University over there. Yeah, the University of Boston. I'm creating a physical art piece for them, and the name of it is Rebirth. Rebirth. And I'm still developing it, so I wanted it to be a little bit of a surprise because we're going to do a press release and we're going to do this, even though it's going to be a physical piece, mm -hmm. we're also going to launch it um, through virtual, through social media. Mm, this sounds interesting. And it, this is so, um, so like your work where uh, you say, someone's a photographer, that means you either get a print or you do something kind of digital thing, but not you, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, a, a little bit of my background, um, I came from being a self-taught photographer, actually. And it started in the 90s, um, in the 90s in Houston, Texas, and I was photographing um, gangster rap. And that's how I actually started with okay. photography. And as I moved throughout my career, I did not realize that I would be moving into the area of what they call fine art. Mm. And it wasn't until the work that I was doing with the gangster rap, I was taking portraiture, portraits. Mm. And I had a friend of mine, an artist friend, saw the work and he told me, you need to be in a show. I didn't know anything about, you know, the art world or anything like that. Yeah. But I did accept it. And that's how I got into the art world with that body of work. And if when I look back on it and being so young and I was photographing the hip hop culture and specifically gangster rap, hmm. rap, I think it prepared me now into what I'm doing now throughout my career because I was on the ground because the voice of hip hop culture was the voice of, I, I say, the new civil rights movement. And then from mm. there, I went to school because my father um, saw my work. I moved to Atlanta. I was in Houston, Texas. And he said, it's something about this photography you like. And he put me through school and I received my MFA. And that really opened up a big world for me because mm -hmm. it made me understand the historical reference of what I was shooting and why this imagery was really looked upon negatively. Negatively, these black bodies, especially well, black culture, period, but black hmm. males, okay? Yeah. And so I think that's what really helped and informed me throughout my career because I call myself a photographic artist. Yeah. And I feel that I could move into different genres of photography. Um, and for example, 
when I was in school, it really taught me how to be conceptual with the work and not so straightforward when you see imagery. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. And so I created a body when I was in school, I did a lot of work because my mind was like, I, it was like, I don't know. It was like I had to photograph it. It's like when I'm done with one series, I'm working on another one. And I started the Plastic Body series. Hmm. And that was dealing with um, women of color who, hmm. what you call the ideal, I don't know, I'm, I'm messing up right now, okay? It's an What I'm trying to say, I started looking at the Barbie doll because yeah. the Barbie doll in Western culture and quite frankly, globally so, was mm. what women aspired to be, be and that was the ideal, what you call beauty. So I started yeah. looking at women of color and how they could not fit those those types of from the hair to our features to everything. And that's mm. how I started coming up and start really thinking about how I could be conceptual with that body of work. And I'm so glad that I was able to come from, if I could say it like this, from the ground to mm. being conceptual and now I'm back on the ground. And I'm yeah. in the mix of, of doing work on the ground because I have a series called 1960 Now, in which I went to the ground to photograph what was going on when it came to the uprisings of young people. Yeah. And it was started with Trayvon Martin. But one important piece though, I started looking back at the young people during the civil rights movement. Yeah. And because I feel that it's gonna take young people to change these institutions, yeah. you know, and because if we if if it don't, it's always gonna grow. If you don't pull them up from the root, it's always gonna grow back. So, but I was looking at the elders that were in the civil rights movement who were young people at that time and mm. they did the same thing. So I engaged myself and took portraits of them. Mm. And that's how I came up with the concept of 1960 Now, the series, where I took portraits of the elders and portraits of the young people, visionaries, activists, and I just opposed them together along with the work that I was photographing in the protest. Ah, uh, I see. Right, yeah, I get you thinking there. Because yeah. I, I did sit and um, watch one of your interviews you've done at a, a university over there. Uh, and you were talking a little bit about this project and then um, you, you played the whole thing. It, it loses a, a little bit on uh, YouTube because there's a bit of you and then there's a little bit in the corner where it's actually playing the video. Oh, no, which one is this now? That was, um, yeah, that was... oh, sorry, no, it was at the McClung Museum. I Same. can't remember, I have so many. It was a video of me speaking? Yes, yeah, they recorded you speaking to um, people in the audience, but then you played your video in, in the corner. Oh, okay, yeah. And I so, actually put a video together with that too, showing the old and the new. Yeah. It's that's like right. because the young people were like, we're fighting the same fights our grandparents and parents are fighting. 
yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And so during this COVID period, I challenged myself about what type of other work that I was going to do. Hmm. And I went back to more of a conceptual stance because I was hired by HBO. Um, because uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Atlanta, Georgia and the child murders in the 60s, well, late 60s, early 70s, no. where black boys were being disappeared and they don't know why. They will okay. find them in the river or whatever. So HBO did a five-part series documentary and they wanted me to do a uh, piece on that. And that's on my website when you go to my homepage yeah. and I photograph um, a woman and I digitally compose flowers, 30 flowers around her and two on her face. It represented the children that were found murdered back then. And I call it the rebirth of us. Hmm. Yeah. So I think all of my work kind of interconnects. It may visually look different, but it has a common thread running through through there, uh, through through my work, I believe. And because I did another body of work called Suburbia. Yeah. And, and at that time, I really, I'm always challenging myself as an artist, you know, mm -hmm. because I feel that I get bored real fast. And yeah. a lot of people <laughs> tell me, well, how do you know when to stop? I don't know. It's just like the... I just know when to stop and to move on to the next. But right. I think that by me stopping those series of work, it's just informing the next body of work that I do. Mm. So is it like a, um, a vision of an idea that comes to you and you think, I need to do this? Or do you think it just sometimes happens? You know, when I think about it, it's more about what I see in the culture, mm. pop culture or anything. And I think that's what really drives me in my work and how I go about doing it, whether I want it to be straightforward as a as a street photography or document or a conceptual mm. piece. And I think that's what really drives me with my work right now. Uh, with uh, in the midst of what's going on globally with COVID-19 and mm. the uprisings, the protests, I'm actually photographing flowers and I'm challenging myself with that because I think it's very boring to me. But um, I, I, I feel that I put myself out there because I think that I can come up with something with that. And flowers can represent a lot of different things you know situations yeah. concepts yeah yeah it's interesting that because i'll just show you mm -hmm. this is what i've got in front of me i don't know if you can make it out so what is it it looked like a cloud with it, little it, it, a lumen print did you ever do them at school or as a child is it like a um I think what you're talking about, move it back some. Oh, yeah, is it like a Cenotype or something like that? Yeah, it's um, yeah. cameraless technology and it just uses the sun. So you oh, put... yeah, 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 I did a lot of that when I was in school. When I was in grad school, I did a body of work on that. <laughs> yeah, well, I do it with my daughters. Um, so this is just us playing. Okay. Uh, never done it before. And flowers are obviously, you know, in my garden everywhere. We're keen on um, right. growing our own veg, so we've done flowers mm. and 
all sorts of stuff and just flatten them and see what happens. You're right, because um, staying at home is really challenging, I think, us as a photographer. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm upstairs, I'm in a house, but I'm upstairs in a room where I'm at the computer and my window's over here to the right. And I started documenting what outside of my window, which is not like New York. It's just I'm in suburbia. It's just trees <laughs> and houses. And I'm like, oh my God, but I actually is photographing that. And I think I think we as photographers and in in the current situation is forcing us to kind of rewire and think about not necessarily think, but to do different things with our photography. Got it. Yeah, yeah, I think it has. I think some people are um, like at the opposite end to, to yourself, like we've said about um, wedding photographers. Uh, mm -hmm. They need to practice and learn other skills, whereas people um, like myself and you are experimenting. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, the complete word for it because I've been doing um, these looming prints, I've been doing black and white prints. Uh, mm -hmm. This is the first time I ever used colour paper just to try it. Uh, and that one was, uh, I actually left uh, colour filters on the paper just to oh, see what wow. would happen. Um, you know, my camera colour filters. That is so cool, yeah. It's just, I, it's just I something have to, to send try. You some, yeah, it's something to try, and you never, because sometimes it'll get you to, when you start this, like me with the flowers, it may get me to another something else that I'm yes. going to do. I might not necessarily use the flowers, but I find myself it's myself very interesting because I'm shooting them with lights and I'm using a lot of different gels and colors. Oh, uh, uh, right, yeah. yeah. I'll show cool. some of the work, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that'll be cool. We, we've and I'm not with... shooting them normally. Like, you know how people put them in a vase yeah. and then maybe some of them they might shoot them down. No, I'm cutting the tips off of it, laying them on a white background and just moving around, shooting top side angles with the gels and stuff. So it's I'm really having fun with it because I think what's happening with me because being bogged down with shooting protests and I, I, I call it trauma, shooting the protests and then COVID-19 yeah. is, is a way for me to convert my energy into something that makes me smile. <laughs> yeah, no, I can understand that. I mean, you see, for me, there's, there's two things that come out of this type of shoot and um, you're mm -hmm. talking about like protest work. For mm -hmm. me, it's do you want to risk your life doing it? Right um but also you know you might need to do it because in 20 years 30 years time your work is going to be important so it's where, where's the balance there right you're right i because at first you know i've been documenting since 2013 and when george floyd happened i was saying i'm not going out but mm. something in me says you got to go because like you were saying, it's going to be part of history. And I think we need to document that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a tough one. Um, yeah. And I think the other thing, though, is when is it appropriate? So um, the, the biggest thing I've, that I've learned recently is obviously this Black Lives Matter. Um, I've started thinking about things. And is it appropriate for 
a typical white male middle-aged man like myself to be out there in a protest that's all about black lives you know that's a good question because let me start with this um when it comes to that based on what you were saying mm. since the beginning of time the white male narrative told everybody what they saw and that's yeah. where we learned from okay yeah. so i i feel that it's interesting to see as myself as a woman and as a black person to see what our narratives will show because yeah. when i when i look at a lot of the the imagery that's out there that's being that has been shot by by the white narrative is always for me is showing the stereotype a black man on a car and you know and i don't know if they <laughs> they teach that on in school or not because i didn't go to school for photojournalism yeah. i always want to show the humanity and not necessarily that because we could always see that you know but we don't have enough when you mm. go into these communities i don't know if you would have to answer that for me you know you're just <laughs> one you're just one person one person is when you go into these communities yeah. um what are you looking for do you feel i mean like it's for example i went to um i was in baltimore and i was there when freddie gray had passed that mm -hmm. sunday and that monday they had the uprising and i went into west Barton, west baltimore and keep in mind i'm from an economic standpoint i don't live in those communities and even though i'm black okay hmm. and when i went into the community i got cussed out they said i don't want a white we don't want white people here you here or the media here because anytime when you come into our communities you want to talk about something negative and you and I had to think fast on my feet, and I'm kind. I'm really shy, believe it or not. I'm like a little girl. I said, <laughs> "Look, I'm from the home of the civil rights movement, and I want to tell our stories. I yeah. connect. Yeah. I want to feel what they're feeling and see what they're doing. I don't want to. If you look at my 1960 now books, you don't see a lot of the image, that type of imagery It's protest images, but you don't see the type of imagery that we see in the media of, yeah. of, a, of a black person. I want to show you the humanity the yeah, the, um, the human side of, mm -hmm. of, of, of black folks, because far too long, we have seen the other. And I think it's good right now that they are hiring a lot of black photographers to photograph it. And it may not look like what we're used to seeing, but to <laughs> me, I think it's whimsical. It's some, it, I get a different feel from it. So to answer your question, I, 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 I don't know, but the whole point of what I was trying to say is that far too long, we have been looking through the eyes of the white narrative so let us look through the eyes of the black narrative maybe the white narrative will see something in that versus in what they're doing so yeah. and i think i think that's a very good thing yeah yeah 
Awesome. But I think if you feel that you need to be out there to photograph, photograph, okay? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, because I, I know you might be feeling a certain way, like, oh my God, you know, I'm out here, what are they, you know, gonna, you know, say to me, but hmm. it's, it's different stories and different things. Yeah, but we hmm. just haven't had the opportunities to have our work shown like that at all. Nah, I mean, it, it feels awful, and there's nothing mm. you can say. Um, right. There's nothing I I can say. Um, I didn't cause any of this, but it, mm-hmm. it's it is it's such a tough one, and it's something I thought about when um, mm-hmm. you know the Black Lives thing started up, and I uh, emailed our mutual friend, uh, Mr. Perello, the Candid Frame, mm-hmm. and. Um, I said to him, you know, when I look back, I've interviewed um, a lot of variety in the sense of genres and subject matter, mm-hmm. um, and I have interviewed a lot of females. And in fact, the first interview was a female. So mm-hmm. I thought I was trying to be liberal. But then, <laughs> then I look back, and it's like um, I don't think there was more than two two people, two black people, or two African people, or two Asian people, uh, and I was like, I haven't done this on purpose because I'm not that sort of person. Mm-hmm. But um, he's like, you maybe should think about this for the future and you should always embrace people of different genres. And, um, you know, I can't say thank you enough to uh, <laughs> Abby Onyx because, uh, you know, he's an outstanding guy. Yes, he is. Yeah, and... Um, and you know he suggested I reach out to yourself so you know that this is step one of me trying to understand and learn from yourself as well as everybody else and um I don't think I need to be there to be honest um mm-hmm. there's no opportunity for me uh, there was one mm-hmm. protest here um my city is very very small um, okay. and the first time it was cancelled because I thought it was the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. um there was some good thoughts like that but um mm-hmm. you know i've got friends in london that have been down there mm-hmm. uh, and they've seen um photographers get punched um uh, and for me it was there was hand holding and shaking hands and and i was just like oh my god that is so wrong but you know covid here oh, yeah. it's and i just think you would get sucked into it if you went yeah i mean i've been doing it since 2013 and what i i feel something different from from 13 through i think 16 when i stopped i didn't actually stop there wasn't too much going on and then george floyd it's to me it's different And and i think it's different because even though that these these I call them murders, were going on <laughs> since my ancestor time. Yes, yes. Is that when we saw, when I saw, and I think the world globally saw George Floyd on that ground with the police officer having his neck to his knee, hmm. I do believe, and when he cried out his mother's name, I think everybody could feel that. I, I really do from a global standpoint of view yeah. and it's like enough is enough and we got to do something about this is a one thing about it though 
race is very hard to talk about, but yeah. like you were saying, you're taking your first step yeah. and I, I honor you for that. And I think we need more people to do that and to be honest and to really speak your truth, yeah. because if we don't know it, I don't know how to talk to you because yeah. I, I do a lot of lecturing a lot to universities, a majority of the groups are whites. And I, I tell them all, mm. I says, I don't really know you. I only know you through the media, like all of us do, you know? We only know, and we that's how we develop our ideologies and concepts, or even when we're young through our parents, okay? Yeah. So I think that we talk at each other, but we really don't listen to each other because we are, divided and i know especially over here i guess probably say globally but here in america they mm. use race to divide us and that's why we cannot move forward at all i had a friend i have a friend he's african and he told me that when he came over here into america he never felt his blackness as much until he came here Wow. he came to America. And I was like, wow. So I think these conversations are needed. And mm -hmm. I think these conversations through us as creatives and photographers, no matter what you're shooting, is mm -hmm. to have an honest, brave talk about this so we can kind of move forward with everything. Yeah. No, thank you for your honesty there. Um, mm -hmm. You know, uh, I always say um, I, I try and be real on the show because it, it's how I form my friendships and mm -hmm. uh, my reputation and, and it's important to me because that, that's who I am. I, I don't mm -hmm. ever want to be false and like you say, if we can help um, promote the work of others, then I, I do that as part of what I do anyway. So to me, mm -hmm. colour is an, an important thing and I think that's the same for a lot of people but we have to understand that it is a problem in some places right. whether it's a country or a city or a culture i mean it, it's mm -hmm. we, we all countries have their own issues though i mean you know the, the level of violence is so different over here you know a, a policeman mm -hmm. will tell you to stop in the street mm -hmm. you know they don't have weapons it's you stay there because it's the fear of just being caught is enough because that was that's inbred in us as children you say Mm -hmm. We'd never needed anything more. If, if we heard an, an older person shout at us, we knew we were in trouble. Right. I know my parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Parenting right, is everything. Yeah it's, yeah, it's just so, the culture is just so, I don't know, but I, I really admire the young people um, because they are moving forward and yeah. they want this change. And gotcha. so I just hope that they don't stop and then we get complacent with it. But I think they are organizing, maybe not what people think that they are, but they are organizing and they're organizing through social media because mm -hmm. that's their plat that that's their platform. You know, that is their platform. So I'm really enjoying everything that they're doing when I'm on the ground with them. I, I connect by um, just having having a conversation with them and getting their numbers and then we engage and stuff because I, I'm very curious and I want to know, you know, because yeah. that Generation Z, mm. 
it's the gen, not the millenniums, not the Y's, yeah. but this disease that I think that's really going to push this to a level. And I think that all of us is going to have to, we're being forced by spirit law to really, we're going to have to do something different. I just know that we're being forced to do that. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, maybe you might have to wait for a few months, so shall we say, a management change <laughs> without going yeah, too political. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that, one thing about the young people, if they don't like something, they'll put you on front street and social media and can bring you down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it can really bring you down. But I really enjoy um, the photographing of what I'm doing right now. I really do. Because it's pushing me. It's, it's like yesterday, because you know, John Lewis passed. And they have this wall on Arvin Street in Atlanta. And it's a mural of John Lewis. And it has hero on it. And they have they brought they, it's a memorial, they brought flowers and everything. So I went over there yesterday to photograph it. And I got out of the car. It was only a few people that I wanted early in the morning, you know, for the sunlight, you mm. know, to photograph it. And I started photographing. I videotaped. I read what a lot of what was left there from the posters and everything. And I got so emotional. And I started wow. crying. I was like, suck it up, Sheila. You're not supposed to be crying. <laughs> but I cried. And what I did, and I've never done this before, when I got home, I went on Facebook and put three images up, and I made a poem. I written a poem, never had before. Wow, that just showed yeah. how powerful it was then. Yeah, yeah, because I, I thought about my ancestors that were brought over here to this country. Yeah, I thought about. Um, the young people that had to live, um, grow up in Jim Crow era in, in the South. Mm. And my parents are part of that era and they're gone now. Both of my parents are. And I thought about the civil right, young civil right people that were fighting these injustices. And then I thought mm. about the young people fighting the same thing. And so at the end of that poem, I talked about how John Lewis, all this, I just kept saying, imagining their trauma. And at the end, I says, well, now he has found his liberation now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have go on, you on Facebook? Yes. Yeah, you, yeah go on Facebook and, okay. and, and, see, and see what I did. But... I would, to me, I've never done that before. And I've never opened myself up like that before. Because like I told you, I'm a very mm. shy person. But the camera has allowed me to speak. Because yeah. when I was young, I would just stay. I have three other siblings. I would just stay in the room and just read, read, read. My father would bring me books. Yeah. And I really, and even in my college years, I wouldn't, wouldn't talk to people a lot. But it was that camera. My last year in college, I picked up a camera and I took a photography class and that's when it opened me up. So the camera speaks for me. <laughs> Just shows that photography found you then. Yeah, photography actually found me. Yeah. I, I think that's one of the best things. And 
um, when, when it found me, it's changed me, you know. Um, I've never done audio work, podcasts, and nothing. Uh, it just <laughs> okay. happens. Um, I don't have these plans in life or anything. It, you know, right. 93 shows later, I think it is. Um, I'm still oh, going, wow. and I have probably more passion than I ever did. Oh, wow. Mm. So when did you start? Um, podcasting about 18 months ago. Photography oh. about four years ago five years oh, ago. Okay. Mm, so very late in life in theory compared yeah i was young when i started but not as a child it wasn't until my college years yeah mm. it's so different for everybody though you know you, you have yeah. some people that um have seen it through history and the grandparents or the dads have handed cameras down and mm -hmm. they're amazing stories um yeah. but then you know there's accidental photographers like me that just ended up doing it well you know my father told me that i was going to do something creative because you know i'm a daughter of a soldier mm, yeah. in my early years i lived in germany okay. and i'll never forget my father told me he said you're going to do something creative but he didn't know what but you know one thing that he did do when we traveled anywhere we would like germany was the longest place that we stayed but mm. every two other places where we moved was every two or three years you know he kept us in the museums and i wow. think maybe that was in that really kind of informed me i didn't know what i was looking at but just that visual hmm. and he always had us go to the museums weird isn't it mm -hmm. they, these things happen yeah 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 you're not the only person i mean john who i interviewed last week he um mm -hmm. he said he always wanted to be an architect and he mm -hmm. didn't do um, architecture photography till much later in life as well. Mm -hmm. And he said he, he didn't plan it. He worked in IT for many, many years. And it's like, yeah. Well, for me, it was a um, my first ever artistic thing. I'd never, ever done anything constructive in my life. Um, what did you do before then? I worked in finance. I did accounts. Um, so oh, okay. very logical systems in essence very good at maths so i could work out percentages but i think that's creative too in well, okay. mind. that yeah. is creative because i when i went off to college i really wanted to be a biologist and okay. i didn't do that you know and i think a lot of people that are scientists or the ones that work with numbers you're creative too hmm. you know but in a different way yeah I think, to be fair, I got so comfortable in my role uh, that I didn't do anything and I stagnated and um, mm -hmm. I basically uh, changed my life, um, changed where mm -hmm. I lived and, and everything and, you know, for the better. So, you know, I've now got children, um, happily mm -hmm. married and uh, I've got a great hobby, so. That is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it, that is so cool. It's yeah. a nice thing to have, I think, in my life because um, there's only a few people that I've spotted that um, podcasting for some of us is a learning tool. It's not for communication or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. Each person I speak to, I learn something from. Um, something, some things are more deep. Some things are technical. Um, mm -hmm. But I think each person I've interviewed has touched me in some way which is ace 
<laughs> that's good yeah i don't i tell everybody i'm not a technical person it comes from my heart and that's what moves me to go do what i do you know mm. i have to feel it yeah that's that's great because i think i've come from the other way where i learned technical because i think that's so common as a, an amateur photographer that mm -hmm. you learn technology first uh, and I don't think some people ever get out of that. Uh, so they're always investing in lenses and stuff. And uh, I see this all the time with friends and people I know. Mm -hmm. and, you know, mm -hmm. I'll use nothing. And, you know, I can take a piece of paper and a torch right. and we could do something. It's right. People think it's the equipment, but I tell them you need to just know your f-stops and your shutter speeds and you'll know how to manipulate everything because yep. they always ask me what camera are you using i said oh. it's not about the camera it's not about the camera yeah it's, it's yeah. a tough tough thing i was out with a friend um uh, the other day uh, and i'm shooting towards my project i'm doing this long one about a, a desolation mm -hmm. and i took nothing digital with me um my phone was in my car and I, charging i said look i can't use it i've got so little battery i need to call my wife to say i'm on my way mm. um and i wanted to meet her and i wanted to really get the shot i wanted mm. and uh, i said you got your camera on you and he went no it's in the car and i went oh don't matter i'll just wing it and um i says he says no no i'll go get it so i said well i think my settings are going to be um 500 for a second at f5 sort of thing right <laughs> and uh, he, he said all right and what iso and i said oh i think i've got 400 iso film and he went mm -hmm. andy look he went you're spot on exactly <laughs> and i went oh i said it was a good guess but i said you know it it's because i'm a film shooter you say right right so, so you're uh, shooting with film well, i i started in film and i'm in digital hmm my yeah digital now and i'm ambassador for the um leica company yeah. so but when i got those cameras it's the color in those cameras even though i shoot a lot of black and white hmm. i could just i could feel a difference but it still is the photographer behind the camera though I yeah 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 the tool helps you without a doubt doesn't it because right yes you know yes that, there's a reason why i like a lens is cost so much yeah <laughs> well <laughs> so i'm an ambassador so i'm i'm lucky to have those cameras because <laughs> it's very expensive aren't they <laughs> oh my god yeah so the, yeah. the lesson i get is make sure you're an ambassador of like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah an ambassador of like it yes yeah definitely I mean, yeah. uh, a couple of things I wanted to uh, obviously talk to you about was okay. when you was doing that um, uh, talk at the McLeod. Uh, what year was that? I don't remember. You know, I've talked so much. McLeod. I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Um, oh, it's what... something that I said that you want me to talk about. <laughs> no, it, uh, it's something you've already said. One of the biggest things that you said nearly all the time was about Baltimore. Nearly every time you was like, "This is a picture. It's Baltimore, Baltimore," and you you seemed physically shocked yeah, at well, what was going on there. 
I was physically shocked from a standpoint of I've been into urban communities, but when I went into Baltimore, it was something different. It looked like a third world country. And I was yeah. so amazed at the landscape. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, and cause when I first went down there and when I got um, cursed out, I was actually looking at the landscape. I was fascinated over that. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I, I just, I said, we're in America and we have this <laughs> and it, it's, Baltimore is just different. It's different from a visual standpoint for me. Yeah. It was just different for me to go into the communities, you know? And I mean, you would have, they have like the, I call them the row houses and they will be burnt and caved in the roofs and then people are living right here. And I'm like, this is crazy. It is crazy. And people don't understand. And then I would go out and hang out in the communities with um, Devin Allen and Devin Allen and Kwame Rose. Those are young people. Devin Allen, he's the first African American that um, was on the front cover of um, Time Magazine, an amateur. Oh, cool. And I was out with him and Kwame Rose, an activist. He's a, a young activist. And I'm a very visual person, so when we were out in, in the community, I just I just I just saw a lot. I saw the the, the cave-in roots that were burned. People were living in a living, and then the and then the young kids on the bikes and they're going off on each other. It was just so much going on there. The food is like the food when I, I think about the food in those air, areas. I was like acid thoughts, acid food. I, it's just, it was just amazing to me. I don't know why. You know, I live in Atlanta. I'm not from Atlanta. Yeah. I was born in the South, but I was not raised in the South. And the South was different for me to come in the South. I, I call my mother because my father and mother were, were raised in the South because they came from the Jim Crow era in a yeah. little town called um, Waycross, Georgia, four hours away from Atlanta. And when I came to the South in 2000, or 1999, I asked my mother, I said, what is going on down here? She said, you in the South. I wasn't used to that, okay? Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I'm a very visual person in Baltimore really had a profound effect on me when I was out photographing in Baltimore. It really did. And I was mm. in Ferguson, but I didn't feel the same way in Ferguson like I did with Baltimore. Yeah, you can tell you can tell it definitely had this effect on you. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. It had a different effect. And, and today with just the protests, and even though I'm not traveling, I'm here in Atlanta photographing, it's having a different effect on me too because mm. It's different in, in the respect of you have more people, diverse people out there, yep. but, and it's more young people, which I do like, but I also see a protest within the protest. Everybody has their agenda underneath the umbrella of Black Lives Matter. Yeah. In which, yeah, in which it's very interesting. I, I just hope that we can 
you know, I don't know. That might be too <laughs> idealism, okay, mm-hmm. about coming together because I think that, I don't know. I don't know if we will ever, ever come to a place where we have um, equality for every man. I, I just don't know. I don't know. But I know that we got to keep trying to fight, you know, like yeah. John Lewis says, the good fight. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's interesting you said uh, uh, man there as well, because obviously like over here, um, the fight for years has been uh, equal rights for females. Cause the, uh, but that's more like um, pay scales over here. Um, uh, probably a bit of an opportunity as well. Um, but it's like that. It's everything over here from, from that, from women to, yeah. to the pay to you've you got know, everything. everything yeah, yeah we have everything over here everything yeah, yeah. It, i mean it, it's awful and i can't comprehend it i mean how can i understand it when uh, i've never uh, seen it for myself in that sense um yeah you only... have to spend some time here and i always tell a person of not of color of, of, of color hmm. i can talk to you and i can talk to you and i can talk to you yeah. And you could kind of em- uh, have empathy, yeah. but I don't. You will never understand. I think you, if you could get into a black body, yeah. then I think you will understand. You know, because we don't come. I always say this: a black person, whether they realize it or not, we're born into a movement. Yeah. When we come from our mother's womb, maybe because we have people that says, "Oh, I'm not black. I'm human." But it's gone to a point where you're going to know you're black. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but it's something that we live with. And it's like we just have to suck it up and move on. And it's always been like that from a child. I mean, when I lived in Germany, um, I didn't think, you know, as children, you don't think you're different from anybody else. And we went into Germantown and Hmm. the German kids was calling this the N-word. So... Uh. Yeah. And that, I think that had a, a profound effect on me when I was young because I didn't want to be black. I wanted to be Jewish. Oh, <laughs> to be out, Germany, Jewish. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think a lot of things affect us when we're young because I started reading about child psychology <laughs> and how at the age of, what, the age of three, you begin to form ideas about yourself. And then at the age of six, you know who you are from that early age. And I was thinking that if I could use my art and what I've been doing and teach to the young kids, I Mm. think that would be really, really good. And those are one of the ways that I think moving forward, since I can't travel internationally or even state to state, is to create a curriculum with my work yeah. and see if I think if the schools will allow me to come in and teach to the young people from 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 secondary schools into the universities. Wow. That's what I've been thinking about a lot because one thing that I do notice is like when I was doing a lot of the traveling and these were at universities, the professors would always tell me it's something about you and your work that the students will sit there 
and usually after a lecture they leave they don't leave with you they want to stay and ask questions and questions and questions yeah. and so if i could do that with the young people because i've talked to young kids from six to ten they are really engaged with the work so i i feel art is a way to really teach now and we mm. live in a visual culture visual literacy yeah because that's what they see every day all of us do that sounds an amazing idea yeah so because yeah. i'm thinking about how moving forward how i'm going to deal in this world now if yeah. we cannot come back on the outside yeah no. <laughs> and, I, and i think through this imagery through art photography because photography could be very powerful yeah. I mean, it is the power of the image, you know, yeah. and to yeah. use that as a visual to teach. Think about young people in technology. Their attention spans are not they, 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 oh, God, yeah. constantly moving, you yeah. know. What are you going to do to get their attention? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, the kids and the younger generation are everything, and it's been a seen movement. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember over here we had um, school children protesting about um, um, fees at university, uh, mm -hmm. and, and this has never happened. We've never seen children protest, and, and then to go to Black Lives, um, you know, it, it, it's a fantastic thing to uh, go along with, isn't it? You know, yes, we live in a world. Of they're the world changers. Yeah, and I, that's why I feel the creators, photography and the arts is never going to go away. Yeah, and it's why when I talk to so many people to say, this is why arts are important, because what would we have all done without Netflix over these last four months? Oh, true, too. It's, you know, yeah, you true. Yeah, um, and, you know, some people say, uh, like, in my day job, I work in IT. So you can imagine for the last five months, all I've been doing is helping teachers learn how to use Microsoft Teams. <laughs> so, you know, I've had to learn some things myself um, and helping businesses cope working remotely. Um, right. So right. I've seen the, the changes um, and quite a lot of people quite like this ability now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think any of them love it. But some do don't mind it sort of thing uh, and uh, truly embracing it sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Times. Yeah, they. Yeah, they do. They do. So, yeah. But no, I'm glad that I'm in the visual part. I'm glad that um, I can use my work to express what's going on in the world, you know. Mm. And hopefully, um, it can help maybe help someone to maybe understand i'm not saying change to understand you know i don't know no that's all you can do though and obviously we've seen this all in your work um, like you say all the projects you've discussed i mean i love the idea of the um, barbie thing because you're so right it, it's a pink doll wasn't it i mean it Right. It wouldn't have even crossed my mind, you know, was there a, a, a black or an Asian um, action mm -hmm. man? Of course there wasn't. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So it's just something we've grown up with. And I think some of this is um, where my parents' generation were lacking. They didn't have the education or interest in understanding mm -hmm. other communities and cultures. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'll be truthful, my, my parents would have been totally racist. Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it, it, it was a thing over here. We had um, a massive influx mm -hmm. of um, Indians in the uh, was it 60s, 70s. Oh, 60s, 70s? Okay. Yeah. So uh, I was brought up. I went to school. Um, that was probably 50% of my class would have been um, from Pakistan or India. Oh, wow. Yeah, so you can look at my school photos and um, you can see there's, there's definitely people there. But then when I went to um, the next school age, mm -hmm. there was probably four people that weren't white mm -hmm. out of 700 people. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> totally, you know, because everybody who was uh, mm -hmm. from Asia went to one school because that's where all, all their families went to. Oh, wow. Mm. Oh, okay. So, what do you think that taught me? Segregation. It, right, segregation. Yeah. yeah but it, you know what my grandmother said? She's passed. She would be about, I think, in her 90s. And she's a school teacher. And she okay. says that when they integrated the schools, she cried. Right. She said because she felt that we would never be together again, it separated us. Mm. As we started to more assimilate and doing, she she didn't like it. My grandmother did not like it. And I think Martin Luther King, and I don't know, I have to go back and look at the history part of it. I think at the end, he felt that maybe it wasn't good either that we hmm. did that. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I think it's fantastic for the younger children. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like you're saying, like uh, at three and six. I mean, a five and six-year-old, you put them together, they don't even look at anything like that. That Do you want to right. play with me? So, Well, you know that generation is more diverse generation in history because hmm. my mother's generation was silent generation, black and white. I'm talking about in America. Mm -hmm. And then it came to the baby boomers, black and white. And yeah. then I'm an exer. The exers, basically black and white. But the millenniums? It's the most diverse generation in history. Wow. So, mm -hmm. because with some of the young people that I talk to, even though everything that's going on, they know it's about race, but they don't look at it like the past generations look at it. Yeah. You know, in, in, in some respects. Yeah. Yes, real in, it's real entry, but they're the most diverse generation in history and the most and the largest generation in history is the millennials. That includes generation Y and generation Z. And that's yeah. why I did the Young American series because yeah. I was really thinking about at that time, I think it was around about that time when 
President Obama was thinking about running or running for office. And a lot of times when people speak to me or what I see in pop culture that deemed to be negative, I try to take something negative and show the positive in it. And I really wanted to talk to young people. And this is in 2006. What does it mean to be an American in the 21st century? And that work is so much more, it's relevant now than ever here. Oh, yeah, it is, yeah. It, it, it really is. So um, that's what my thinking was. And I gave them a flag and said, do whatever you want with it. And let's talk about America. Mm. And that's how that work started. And that was my first major solo show at a museum was with that body of work. Wow. Yeah. I do like that. Yeah, it was it was interesting that um, each picture was a different sort of emotion type thing as well. And they came up with their own ideas. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I didn't tell them what to do. They did what they wanted to I do. Like to I, I, when I was in California at um, University of Irvine, you should have seen the energy of the young people. They were so excited. They said, "Nobody's never asked us." what we thought about America, and I never had the experience with the flag. I learned so much from them. All right. And this one girl wanted us to seem like she was, that's on the cover of the catalog of the book at the high, wanted her to run from the flag. So we had to take the flag and swing it and she oh, was yeah, yeah. doing it. Yeah, but what I'm saying is they came up with their own ideas. I didn't tell them, how can I to give you a flag and tell you what to do with a flag? Yeah, because then it's pure portraiture. And then yeah, models, and they yeah. all had statements, but I didn't feel that we needed to put statements on the wall. I just wanted people to see what these young people came up with, what they wanted to do with the flag. That was a very interesting project for me. God, yeah, it looks like, I quite liked the um, gentleman who put his flag on the floor, wrapped it up. Oh, and he folded up. Folded up nice, yeah. Down. That oh. was Colin, and I was in, I forgot where I was, somewhere in the south, somewhere near Memphis, I can't think of the name of this, Winston, South Carolina, hmm. and he was very quiet. And I asked him what he thought about being American. He looked at me. He folded that flag up very carefully in that square. And he sat it down. He put his hands in his pocket and he looked away. And that's when I clicked the photograph. Because when I photograph people, um, I don't do a lot of talking. I'm looking to see what they're doing. And then I photograph. And that was the end. I knew that was the image. It's, you know, a strong image without a doubt, isn't it? Yeah, so it was amazing, that project, because I went from California to Connecticut down through the South. I didn't go up to South Dakota. And hmm. I went to an Indian, I should Native American, not Indian, Native American um, you know, I yeah. talked to the um, chief and they were going to allow me to have one of the young ladies to, to come and photograph, but we never could hook up and I had to leave because oh, I yeah. feel that that was very important to have a name. Yeah. 
Yeah, that would, yeah. yeah. I mean, to be honest, that sort of um, project would work over here now because we're coming out of Europe. Mm -hmm. um, there's been this divide about um, are we Great Britain? So Great Britain's got a flag uh, and then there's the English flag. Mm. So it's uh, some people don't like the idea of the English flag. Um, some people prefer this idea of the British flag, um, and it causes, you know. What's the what's the problem with the two different flags? I mean, no, I know like here you got the Confederate flag, and the American flag. Yeah, well, it, because um, England um, is its own country in essence, so you're being more. Um, loyal to uh, where you're from whereas Great Britain would involve the other countries as well okay. so that would include Scotland and Wales and Ireland sort of thing oh, so, okay. so it's more communal you know um, so it's and they have their own parliaments as well but we are still part of the same thing it's we have a lot oh, of so long history as well wow mm. So everything is happening globally with everything Continue. now. Everything. <laughs> Where do you start? Every there's a topic in there. For, how's COVID affected this? It's. It, oh, and, and I, I think it's going by. I think it's. I don't talk like this, but I think it's spirit driven. Yeah. No matter what, because it's not like in one country. It's glo This is globally. Yeah, it's it's scary stuff. It's scary times. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we've, we've just got to pray. Um, right. Our scientists break the usual um, timelines mm -hmm. and come up with something to help us all. So, right, right. Um, but right, well, I think we are through the um, main part of the interview, Sheila. Um, okay. I'm not sure if you've been told, but I like to put my guests through my random questions. Okay. So this is just a bit of fun we have um, with some very okay. stupid things from this mind of mine. Okay. Okay, so if you could have one feature of the animal world, what would it be? For instance... You said a feature? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So the speed of a cheetah, the prowess of a lion, the longevity of a tortoise, or something else. The lion... I, but I, the proudness of the lion. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the human Yeah, this the lion. <laughs> if somebody asked me something, like, I was talking about the jaguar. <laughs> it's oh, okay. the lion. It's okay. The lion. Like that. Oh, cool. Um, if an orange tastes of orange, why doesn't a strawberry taste of straw? Because it's. GMO. That's <laughs> <laughs> been modified, right? Okay. Yeah, that's very typical now, isn't it? Yeah, it's very typical now. God, yeah. Orange tasted orange, yeah. That's what came to my mind at first. <laughs> that's what I like. That's what. That's why I ask stupid questions. <laughs> okay, your next one. Uh huh. If the moon was made of cheese, what flavor would it be? Wow, and it has to be a flavor. Mm. What's your lemon. favorite cheese? Lemon. My, my favorite cheese, I don't eat cheese. <laughs> oh, okay. 
that's the wrong question then. Okay. Oh, but it'd be lemon for you then. Yeah, lemon. Yeah. Lemon's my favourite too. I love lemon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, lemon cake. I do love it. Yeah. Um, your final one. What is the best thing in a children's playground? What's the best thing in a children? Do they have playgrounds? Mm. <laughs> was it the swings when you were smaller? Was it climbing frames? No, uh, it was the swings. It was the swings. It was the swings, yeah. And, I think I didn't, and I didn't play a lot. I'm telling you, I was in the room always reading books. Yeah. My siblings would tell me, they used to get mad at me because I was but it was the swings because when you swing, and go up it yeah. takes you somewhere else you know you're swinging and you go up you mm. know i probably would like to go do that when you make me think about that that might be i need to put that on my to-do list you should do i do it i do it my, my daughters yeah, yeah i'm gonna go swing because i haven't done that i'm glad you mentioned that fantastic there you go i've had some positive effect on you Yes, because, you know, when I think about a playground, I haven't been to a children's playground, but I'm thinking of, they do have swings, but then they have these little things, when I was growing up, that you go in and slide down on and stuff. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's you know, right, but yeah. It's, it's, it's the swings, because swings to me is, is freedom, makes you feel. Yeah, uh, we used to sometimes have ropes onto a tree, you know, in the woods or oh wow yeah you could do it anywhere yeah yeah oh, it's the swing yeah i think it'd be swings yeah because the slides over and done with fast thank you so much for surviving thank you so much for um i i like the candid conversation and let's stay in touch and anything else that you need just email alicia because i'm ripping and running and she'll get you everything that you need okay no, that's cool. Do you want to tell everyone uh, where to check your website and your social feeds? Um, yes, um, my website is sheilaprebright.com. My Instagram feed is sheprebright. It's S-H-E-P-R-E-E-B-R-I-G-H-T. Sheprebright. Thank you for that. I've obviously put the links in in the show notes for you, so okay. that'll be good. Um, and then finally, I do this pay it forward scheme. So mm -hmm. is there any um, person's work that you found really interesting? Um, probably exactly what we've been talking about to help me grow um, that you'd recommend for me? Let I'll have Alicia send you some names, okay? Hmm. And these would be, you would probably be interested in some of these young people that are photographers that are doing some things. Yeah. I have to say, Sheila, um, I really do love your work. Um, one of the listeners has already messaged and said, your work is amazing and you can't wait for the podcast. So. <laughs> okay. And Andrew, thank you for having me. And yeah. it was good speaking with you. No, it's been my pleasure. It's it's been great because, like I say, um, you'll help help me uh, grow a little, and for me, that's an important thing. And um, mm -hmm. the, the way you've done it, it's been very nice. So, thank you. Mm -hmm.
And thank you. And be safe over there, okay? And if you need anything, just let me know. You got my email too. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Okay. Thank you very much, okay, Sheila. You take care. You take care. Okay. Much love. Bye. Bye. Bye.